Today on CityCast Boise, Alex McCoy is here to tell us how a cheat day during Ironman training turned into a huge ostrich farm in CUNA. We talk sustainability, why they built their own processing plant during COVID, and I find out, are ostriches jerks? It's Monday, January 9th, 2023. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. So you're the owner of American Ostrich Farms, which is a 120-acre ostrich farm out in CUNA. But I hear that you used to be a banker. That's quite a career shift. It was a bit of a career shift, yes. I was working in Africa doing deals uh, with sovereign entities and large companies when I discovered ostrich training for a long-distance Ironman triathlon. And it was exciting enough to helped me decide that I wanted to be in a totally different place with my career. So you're you're an Ironman triathlete and your first taste of ostrich ever was on a cheat day, which seems like a funny thing to pick, not a donut, uh, not, <laughs> you know, slice of pie or something. You, you went with ostrich, huh? Yes. And red meat is not on everyone's training diet because after you have a big steak, you want to go take a nap. And the whole thing with Ironman training is you you need to run, you need to swim, you need to bike, you always need to be moving. And so red meat just wasn't on my diet plan. Uh, donuts were sometimes. You donuts, you can have a donut after after a big workout. That's, that's okay. But uh, red meat is what I was really craving. And so you tried ostrich and, and you were like in love with the taste, loved the way it made you feel. And you were like, I don't want to be a banker. I want to be a farmer. <laughs> Is that how that happened? It tasted so much like beef that I was really surprised that it's not a more prevalent protein staple in the United States. And so I would I would get home on vacation and you couldn't get ostrich anywhere. And um, very long story short, there was no, no real reason for that other than nobody had done it before. And so we Americans love our red meat and ostrich not only tastes fantastic, but it's also really, really healthy for you and healthy for the environment. So this is this is a meat that just makes sense. So walk us through a typical day as an ostrich farmer. So you get up, I imagine, I, I grew up on a farm, so I'm, I'm sort of picturing it. Uh, you get up at 4 a.m., you go out to the shed, you pull everybody's heads out of the sand, run them out into the yard. Is that <laughs> accurate? <laughs> That's how it used to be, yes. I, I lived on the farm with my family for the first several years that we were operating. And then it grew too big that it, it couldn't possibly be just me. So now I have a lot of help. But yes, hey, we, we do everything at this company from you know, feeding the breeding animals to collecting the eggs, incubating the eggs, hatching the chicks, growing the chicks. So there's a lot of things going on and I have a lot of help. <laughs> How many birds do you have like right now? We have a couple thousand birds right now. What? Are you serious? I thought you were going to say like 150. You have a couple thousand ostriches out in CUNA? The nice thing about ostriches, is they lay eggs. They don't uh, you know, give birth to mammals. And so they're like big chickens. So they can, and they grow quickly. And do ostriches do well in Idaho? They do. So the main thing about ostriches is they don't like precipitation. They're like cats. <laughs> they're, uh, <laughs> when it rains, they, they're, they're sad and, and they just don't like it because flying birds have this 
uh, coating on their wings, this oil coating. And when it rains on flying birds, the water beads and, and falls off. But an ostrich has these fluffy, beautiful, soft feathers. So when it rains, the ostrich is very uncomfortable. So in Idaho, you know, when I grew up here, we probably got 12 inches of rain a year. And it has gotten progressively drier over the last 30 years. And so ostriches love that dry desert environment. So you mentioned the taste. I, I've heard people compare ostrich to like filet mignon. Is that accurate, do you think? Yes, I think it depends on the person. But in general, it's not gamey. Some people say it has a little bit of a sweetness to it because it's higher in iron than beef. It's even it's even redder than than red red meat. <laughs> That's how red this oh. is. Doesn't look any look or taste anything like chicken. So I, I've heard people say different things, but in general, it's it's similar to beef and uh, similarly tender as well. Hmm. So how do ostrich farms compare like to say like a cattle farm? It really depends on the cattle farm, but compared to feedlot beef that eat grain, the amount of emissions and water usage and energy and uh, just the manure footprint of our animals is, is a fraction, less than a tenth uh, of those types of negative byproducts that, that a feedlot beef cattle would have. And was that a big reason for you getting into ostrich farming was, was because you felt like it was more sustainable? It was the whole package, really. The most important thing, I think, for, mo for most people with any food is taste. How does it taste? So we check that box. It tastes great. Uh, the second thing is, is it healthy for me? Is this something that I can eat regularly and still feel good about my my choices and, and, and my lifestyle? And then the third thing that people think about, and, and for some people it's number one, but for most people, sustainability is the third thing. So you built your own processing plant. What was the decision behind that? Why did you guys decide to do that? Well, unfortunately, we had to. <laughs> so when uh, when COVID came, uh, you heard a lot. There was a, there were meat shortages across the country, and that happened because uh, in these plants, uh, the workers are working formerly uh, shoulder to shoulder. They're on top of each other. There's no social distancing, you know, in a, in a meat processing plant. And so when that those capacities were reduced because they had to distance, they got COVID. Then uh, there wasn't as enough processing capacity for all the animals that needed to get processed. And so lo and behold, who was the first one to get kicked out? The weird ostrich guy, the guy who's animals. <laughs> Feathers, you know, and beaks. Uh, you know, we're just not ostriches are not as convenient, for lack of a better word, to process than beef, and that's a existential crisis for uh, for a business that relies on uh, you know eighty percent of our revenues are, are are is meat. So I literally had no choice but to build my own facility. What's the other twenty percent? We have all these other byproducts. And that's another thing that I love about the ostrich. This is another uh, facet of sustainability that is not talked about very much. And that's use the whole animal. You know, So we take the, the fat off of the animal and we render it into oil, this beautiful cosmetic oil, which really moisturizing. It's called ostrich oil. It's very similar to emu oil. So there's that. We have a pet food line. So some of the things that humans don't like to eat, we turn those into pet foods. Uh, and then we also recently started selling feathers on our website. So basically anything that comes off that, we, we try to not waste anything that comes off of that animal. What are some of the challenges of ostrich farming? And I guess what I'm really asking uh, is, are ostriches dicks? <laughs> like, are they mean? Like, I don't know. They just seem like they would kick you or bite. Very, very few ostriches are mean. Now, oh. during the breeding season, which runs from about February through Labor Day, 
some of these males can get very hormonal and aggressive. Okay. But uh, we only have a few that, that, that you got to look out for. But in general, hey, these ostriches grew up being fed by us by hand. So these are like any other livestock that when growing up with humans where they're surrogate parents, you know, they become accustomed to us. Uh, they're not very intelligent. They probably think we're ostriches <laughs> and they, they don't fight. It's, it's very rare to see an ostrich actually stand their ground and be angry enough to fight you. So Idaho is known for like beef and potatoes. How do other farmers react when they learn about your operation? Like, do they poke fun at you at least until they like learn about how great ostriches are? Or, you know, are you like, like you said, are you the weird ostrich guy? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But I like that. I like that. It's look, it's totally different. I mean, people have been farming traditional livestock for literally thousands of years. And, you know, I, we do business with eighth generation cattle and, and sheep farmers and, and I, and I'm learning a lot from them. And I think that while I may be the weird ostrich guy, they see this as, as interesting because it, it's, it, it represents growth in their industry as well. This is such a large market. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars a year uh, of, of red meat sold in the United States. This is like the world's largest market. There's room for everybody. And like I said, ostrich only wants to be part of that consumer's protein basket. So there's there's room for everybody. And, and I think all the producers, at least that I've come in, into contact with, are aware of that. So if people are ready to try ostrich uh, or they want to try some of your other products, where can they go? Our website. Uh, the vast majority of our sales are direct to consumer on AmericanOstrichFarms.com. And if they want to come see the ostriches, do you do tours or anything like that? This is something we're working on. We've had a lot of feedback that people want to come. And, and our whole thing is transparency. We want to show you, you know, it, it does not smell like a feedlot out here. Uh, we animals have tons of room. They all breed naturally. So we, we have a lot of things we want to show to the public. It's just the logistics of figuring that out is, is something that we're actually working on now. So we are hopeful that we will be able to open for tours sometime this year, but there's a, there's a lot of work to do. Well, I can't wait to try ostrich and I cannot, I'm still just blown away that I for 10, the last 10 years, never heard that there was this giant ostrich farm 20 minutes from my house. Thank you so much. It was great speaking with you. I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity. And one more thing before we sign off. The Idaho Statesman is reporting that Boise Police Sergeant Kirk Rush shot and injured Harry Andrews as he was walking on the Interstate I-84 connector. Rush said that Andrews did not respond to commands and showed a weapon. Rush was also involved in the June 2022 shooting of Jake Cottrell and is the officer who claimed former BPD chief Ryan Lee broke his neck while demonstrating a hold on him in October of 2021. We recently wrote about this story in our Hey Boise newsletter, which is free to subscribe to. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe to our Hey Boise newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.